If you're joining us by Facebook or by audio, we encourage you to reach out to us either on our website or by email just to let us know that you're participating as we continue uh, to figure out um, how we can do this aspect of ministry better so that either when folks aren't here, uh, they can still be connected or um, maybe there are folks who are listening um, that um, aren't connected to this church and this is the first place when uh, you all might just learn a little bit about Cameron United Methodist Church and about Jesus Christ. So um, let's celebrate that and continue to keep that uplifted. I wonder if um, I were to go about town and I were to ask a stranger, tell me what you know about Cameron United Methodist Church. What might they say? I mean, would they say, uh, who? You mean there's United Methodist Church in Cameron? I didn't know that. Or would they roll their eyes and say, uh, oh, those people. <laughs> or maybe they would say, oh, yeah, we know those folks. They are really active in the community, and they really make a difference. I wonder what people would say if they were simply asked, tell me what you know about Cameron United Methodist Church. I know what I hope they would say, um, and um, we're going to keep working uh, toward that in hopes that Cameron United Methodist Church uh, will be known as a place where folks encounter God experience his love and his grace, and where their lives are changed and shaped and formed so that they discover how God has uniquely gifted them. Um, but I just wonder, I, I wonder, um, I wonder if uh, um, previous pastors were to write a letter. I mean, you know, Paul wrote letters to his churches, right? And we're going we're gonna to look at a couple of those. I wonder if previous pastors wrote a letter back to the church. I wonder what it might look like and what it might say. There are some churches who don't want to read the letters that pastors who have left there have said. You know, the churches that are known uh, to change pastors about every couple of years. But I wonder. I wonder what might be said. I wonder if the letter, you know, at the beginning of all Paul's letters, usually um, he, he has uh, at least a few good things to say about churches, right? But I, I wonder if a letter written about Cameron United Methodist Church, if, if the letter might begin like this from Galatians, grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord of Jesus Christ. He gave himself for our sins so he could deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he goes on to say, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and following another gospel. Hopefully the letter wouldn't begin that way. I think Galatians is the only letter in which Paul um, apparently is struggling so much with the church at Galatia uh, that um, 
He finds it difficult to say even anything positive, and he immediately launches into this, how quickly you have deserted the one who called you by grace. Now, none of us would like it, would we, if that's the letter that was sent? Here's what we would like to hear, right? This comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. <clears throat> from Paul, Sylvanius, and Timothy to the Thessalonians church that is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you when we mention you constantly in our prayers. This is because we remember your work that comes from faith, your effort that comes from love, and your perseverance that comes from hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of our Lord and God and Father. Brothers and sisters, you are loved by God, and we know that He has chosen you. We know this because our good news didn't come to you just in speech, but also with power and the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know as well as we do what kind of people we were when we were with you, which was for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord when you accepted the message that came from the Holy Spirit with joy in spite of great suffering. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, the message, that the, Lord, the message about the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place. The news about your faithfulness to God has spread so that we don't even need to mention it. People tell us about what sort of welcome we had from you and how you turned to God from idols. As a result, you are serving the living and true God and you are waiting for his son from heaven. Everyone with ears to hear, hear the word of God this day. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd much prefer to get a letter that began like the letter to the Thessalonians than the letter to the Galatians, yes? I mean, listen to the things that, that he says in there. He says, you are loved by God. The good news came in the power of the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. The message rang out from you, not just within your local region, but everywhere. Folks had heard so much about this church that Paul didn't even need to say anything about the church other than their name. And people said, oh, yes, we know that church. That church is a church of hospitality and generosity. That is a church that makes God's love known and, and spreads the gospel of Christ. We, have, we know about their faithfulness and about their love for God and their love for others. We know that they serve God in anticipation of his kingdom that is arriving and coming and breaking into our world. This, this whole uh, letter, both this letter and, and the letter to uh, uh, Philippians, Paul just celebrates these flourishing 
communities of Christ followers. And so it seems like it might be wise for us to to take a look at at this passage and and, uh, look at what it was that made the church at Thessalonica such an effective um, church, such an effective uh, church which spreads the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think if we look in in verse 3, we get an idea where Paul says, Works that come from faith, effort that comes from love, and perseverance that comes from hope. I think if we look at most of the early churches um, and the gatherings of Christ followers, we find out that it, it's not the programs, it's not the processes, it's, it's not the, the methods or the structures of the church that made them effective, that drew people to Jesus Christ, but it was the fact that they, uh, that they lived by faith, that they were defined and known by love, and that they were a beacon or a voice of hope in a fallen and broken world. You see, indeed, it is the churches that are filled with faith and love and hope that truly make a difference in their communities. Uh, They are the churches that are known by name. That's the kind of church that uh, I hope that Cameron United Methodist Church is or, or is becoming. A church that lives by faith. Remember, the word faith has this connotation of trust and obedience in God. To live by faith meant that they were a community, or it means to be a community that is in an ongoing, vital relationship with God. A relationship in which we learn to recognize and listen to God's voice. And to respond to that voice by going and doing as God calls and leads us to do. It's a church uh, that doesn't just say, I'm going to pray about this. But it's a, it's a church that, uh, that is so familiar with God and knows God's ways and God's will that we actually participate with God. We don't have to uh, pray to God and say, God, should we show hospitality to people? We don't have to pray and, and say, uh, God, um, how can we help people or should we invite people? We are connected to to God and to Jesus, and we know uh, that He calls us and leads us to show hospitality, to reach out, to show generosity, and to serve others. But you see, a church that lives by faith, a church that lives by faith allows the Spirit to lead them into new experiences of who God is and of what God is up to in our community and the world around us. A church that lives by faith 
goes to places and does things they never would have dreamed of. Because God prods and pushes and invites and challenges. And they respond by doing as God directs. Such churches not only live by faith, but they are defined and they are known by love. They are churches that that don't just love one another, but they are churches that have learned that love is not this, um, this warm, fuzzy feeling that we often act as if love is. They are churches that have learned about the cruciform love of Christ. A love that calls us to sacrifice. A love uh, that lays down one's self for the sake of others. Whether they seem worthy or not. Isn't that what Christ did for us? They are churches who are known as places uh, that deeply care for people. They're motivated to help and to make a difference, uh, not simply because they want to feel better themselves, but they genuinely care about other people. This church at Thessalonians in chapter 4, Paul says uh, this to them. He says uh, that... um, He doesn't even need to talk to them about love, that they are so good at it because they do loving deeds for people throughout Macedonia and the region. He says they are so good at making God's love known in the world and in their region that everybody knows about them. See, so often in our churches today, we get focused on this idea of sin and damnation and hell. And in fact, if you, if you look at the population that is not connected to the church, predominantly their description of the church is that the church is a bunch of judgmental people. It's a, it's, a, it's a place that's defined by what they are against rather than what they are for. And, and you know it, there are churches out there which revel in telling the rest of the world that they are just godless and that they're going to hell. Yes? Way too often, what is supposed to be the good news Sounds an awful lot like bad news, doesn't it? See, I think the Thessalonians understood that the gospel is the good news about Jesus Christ. They made God's love known in their world. They did that, I think, that rather than being judgmental and condemning other people, they listened to Jesus' words in John where he says, I came to give life. I did not come to, to, to condemn. And so the good news was 
God has come and God accepts and loves all people. They were a community that when people connected with them, that they experienced healing and wholeness and forgiveness. They were a community in which folks knew that if they stepped foot into it, they would not be judged for who they were. But they would be loved and surrounded until they became the person God intended them to be. You hear the difference? They were a church defined and known by the cruciform love of Christ. A love that sacrificed so that others might connect with God. So this was a church that lived by faith. It was a church that was defined and known by their love. It was also a church that was a beacon of hope. You know, I don't know. Uh, this may be the biggest problem we have in the church today, it seems like to me. Maybe I'm wrong. But sometimes um, church folks, folks who supposedly know and are in a relationship with Jesus Christ are some of the most pessimistic people I know. They look at the world and they say, oh my gosh, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. There is no hope. Maybe Jesus will come tomorrow and deliver us from all of this mess. It's almost as if we believe that God is no longer at work in the world. Yes? Of all the people in our world today, yes, uh, the world is a mess. There's brokenness and there's, there's hurting. There's dysfunction everywhere we look. But if there are any people who ought to be hopeful, it is the followers of Jesus Christ. Because, you know, most people are looking for the answer anywhere and everywhere other than in God. And we know that the answer to all that aches the world is Jesus. We have God's promise that God is at work in the world even when we are unable to see it. We may not know in some situations where God is at work, but we have God's promise that even if we give up on the world, God does not and will not and will never give up on the world. So you see, it seems uh, that the people of Christ we ought to be those voices of hope. We ought to be the people proclaiming, yes, there are discouraging and hurting things that are going on. We ought to be the people who speak up against injustice and the people who say there is hope because God is at work 
And God is at work in and through us. We should be a people who know that the most hopeless, I don't know about you, but the most hopeless time in my life was when um, I was not very Christ-filled, where I was off doing my own thing instead of following Christ. We ought to be a people who have known and discovered that when we are Christ-filled, then we are a hopeful people and we see the world differently. Because we know that the kingdom of God is breaking into this world in ways that go beyond our understanding. And that God will continue to break into the world through people like you and I. As we live by faith, as we allow ourselves to be filled and known by the love of God and love of others. And as we express a hope that's not just a wish, but a hope that is rooted in the promises of God. See, the message of the church is that we know there is brokenness, but we also know where to find healing. Jesus said, I came to set the captives free. I came that the blind might see. I came that the oppressed might experience justice. Jesus is still on that mission today. It's just in and through us, his church. Indeed, we will know when we were a church like the church at Thessalonica, a church that lives by faith, is known and defined by love, and is a beacon and a voice of hope. When we look around and we see, in addition to all of us, a perfect, um, well, godly, holy people, right? That there are broken people that there are hurting people, that there are discouraged people, that there are people who are seeking and looking for something more. And they are gathering with us because this is the place where they experience healing. This is the place where they are comforted, where they are encouraged. This is the place where they discover they get a second chance. This is the place where they experience God's forgiveness. This is the place where they experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that embraces them and loves them and shapes them and forms them into the people God intended them to be so that they too can go forth to make a difference in the lives of other people. You see, the church that flourishes, it's not the church with the best programs. 
It's not the church with the best methods or the best processes or the best structure. It's not even the church with the best doctrine. It is churches that are filled with people who live by faith, who are defined by love, and who are a relentless voice of hope because they know Jesus Christ and they want others to know Christ also. May we be a community that lives by faith, is defined by love, and is a beacon of hope in our community. Amen.